1: record heat, floods, storms, and wildfires, devastating communities around the world underscore the grave risks that we all face. UNESCO's vote on the status
2: of Australia's coral reef is a clear... The World Space, and space Week takes place earlier in October between the 4th and the 10th. And here in New Zealand, around this time, the company Spacebase has been running a space research incubator challenge for the past three years.
0: Solve
2: the biggest environmental issues that we have. The purpose of the challenge this is an excerpt from one of their videos around the challenge. ...and innovators to take up these tools... And this year's theme was Space for made. Earth. It's based around using space technologies to address climate change issues around the Pacific region.
0: Challenge this year has two categories. One is for high school students and the other for university students. And
2: start- I'm Kadambri Ragukumar and this is Voices. We'll come to the challenge in a bit, but first some background to it. Space-related research has been on an upward trend here in New Zealand, largely pioneered by companies like Rocket Lab. But also on the academic side of things, we're seeing a surge in interest here, with Victoria University also launching its first space study programme. Today on Voices, I'm chatting with Emeline and Eric Dahlstrom here, the founders of SpaceBase. They've just recently been awarded the Kia Friends of New Zealand Award. And I'm talking to them about why the democratization of space is something that they're so passionate about from here in New Zealand. What made you both choose New Zealand as your base?
0: I guess uh, we've been coming to New Zealand on vacation starting from 2002. And probably that's not a coincidence with... uh... (laughs) <laughs> the Lord of the Rings movies coming out were uh, pretty good, uh, uh, big fans of. But yeah, uh, coming and really just fell in love with the country in terms of the outdoors. And just so it just uh, so happened in 2017. Uh, I think everything aligned.
2: What aligned was the forming of the New Zealand Space Agency in 2016 and also the couple getting accepted into the flagship Edmund Hillary Fellowship cohort in 2017 for their work in space entrepreneurship. Emmeline has spent many years working as a space development consultant, including space tourism. And Eric spent over three decades as a space engineer with both NASA and the commercial industry in the US before coming to New Zealand. To them and many others in the industry, New Zealand is ideally placed for space research and innovation. From almost nothing in 2016, with the forming of the New Zealand Space Agency, the industry was worth about $1.6 billion by the end of 2019
1: around the world uh you know people are very aware of uh in the space world about activities in New Zealand already and so it's uh and I think that's that's been growing as well there's uh more and more companies that are emerging
2: Emily you're from the Philippines and Eric you're American H- how did you both come together <laughs> ah uh, you were... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah
1: so uh we both attended the uh International Space University which is a program that it has a program in, in around July and August that moves around the world, and so since 1988, yeah. And so when I attended in France in in '91, uh, Emmeline was already on staff, having attended in '89. And uh, so we we met in France, and then we worked together in Spain, and fell in love in Sweden, and got and got married in Austria. And all through uh, various connections to this uh, program, International Space University. Yeah, yes.
2: Your company, Space Base. Now, it's all about encouraging space entrepreneurship and innovation. So, what kind of opportunities do you see for this sort of research that are that are in some ways unique to New Zealand?
0: Yeah, we we created Space Base and co-founded it with uh, really a long-term goal of um, you know shrinking the gap um between uh like the uneven space opportunities that's happening globally uh, so that's sort of like the 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 long term goal and we thought that new zealand would be the a good place to re- uh, really start that prototyping process of how do you create space ecosystems um and so uh we chose new zealand because uh i think there's a lot of you know uh, what we call sustainable elements for creating a space um, entrepreneurial ecosystem, which includes the the location, the progressive government that is really conducive for like space businesses to thrive. There's already an existing uh, you know entrepreneurial academic sort of like community that already exists, uh, which are all elements of being able to create a good ecosystem
2: the geographical location i think that's quite key isn't it in making new zealand a growing hub for that sort of space research
1: the advantages are that um if you uh there's not much um ship or air traffic to the east or south and so you can uh launch more frequently that way and then also um in the far south in near invercargill there's satellites polar orbiting satellites sort of converge at the higher latitudes and the uh and and so it's a great place for a ground station for receiving data from the satellites. It
2: must be mind-boggling the amount of change that has taken place over the path of your career.
0: No, for sure. Because in the past, like for us, who's been around for like decades, um, traditional space used to be just government and big, you know, uh big activities, very expensive. But today there are startup companies, companies that are um coming from like humble beginnings and not just from the US but like from all over the world are now um competing uh with products and services that used to be just governments or big aerospace companies um and that's because of the democratization of the technology and basically componentry being off the shelf um and so there's a lot of adjacent industries now where it used to be you think are not related to space but are actually uh, seeing that they have business lines uh, that could be um, applied to to the space industry, in what way does
2: something like creating a space related ecosystem um, of industries and and companies and entrepreneurs? What sort of local as well as global problems do you think something like that can help solve?
0: We can start with uh, like defining the space industry, at least as it is today. Uh, uh, the easiest way to think about that is upstream and downstream, of which the upstream is really manufacturing, launch services, of which uh, we're seeing a, a small community growing in New Zealand um, then there's the downstream side of it, where you actually leverage the data that's coming down from satellites and using that for many different applications. Um, so there's also companies here in New Zealand that are doing that, that are uh, using it for either you know precision agriculture, weather prediction. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Earth observation satellites uh, today that are really focusing specifically. Uh, if you think about climate change, like 90% of Climate change monitoring is being done by satellites today.
1: Yeah, as you get this all this uh, space activity going on of people creating companies and using other suppliers and and building on the industrial base and and building up capability, eventually the the space systems that you're building are being applied to real life problems, and that includes you know a, a big focus on environmental issues for the in the biosphere for for uh, New Zealand.
2: 20 teams from five different Pacific countries and 100 participants came together for this year's Incubator Challenge.
0: Challenge this year has two categories. One is for high school students and the other for university students and startups. Since like 2018, uh, we've run a national Pacific or or Pacific Region Space Challenge and what we normally focus on is leveraging satellite data to address um mostly uh, climate change so like the past two problem areas that we've worked on like car- carbon sequestration or coral health um monitoring and then this this time around it's uh monitor uh, or monitor identifying methane emissions what's the uh, hoped outcome from this
1: the climate scientists have identified uh, if you can reduce methane that's the most cost effective way to avoid the worst uh, global warming and give us more time for uh, removing uh, carbon dioxide uh, emissions we're, we're basically we're hoping that all these different teams will will build up a, their capability to um in, approach this problem in different ways and And we'll just increase the level of expertise in this whole region and especially for measuring measuring methane and be able to get go complete the cycle of detecting it with the satellite back to going back to the source and, and reducing it. It also is one of our messages when we run these challenges and include a high school level is that the access to satellite data and and just your ordinary laptop is much more powerful than what I used to use when I worked for NASA on remote sensing uh, spacecraft. And so we we try to show that you can actually engage and help solve some of these serious problems just with uh, the tools that you have access to right now.
2: That's Emmeline and Eric Dahlstrom there talking about their company Spacebase, which is all about space-related innovation and democratization of space. My name is Kadamri Ragukumar and every week I make an episode of Voices where I feature people from all around the world who live here in New Zealand. You can follow Voices on Spotify, Apple and all your favourite podcast platforms. And yeah, you can also find us on the RNZ website. Today's episode was mixed by Jeremy Veal and I'm Kadamri Ragukumar. Thanks for listening.